The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Welcome everyone to another episode of Meta Talks, part of the Metaverse Times publication. Today is different because today we are live from the Singapore FinTech Festival. That's challenging for me to say. Singapore (laughs) FinTech Festival. Singapore FinTech Festival. Yes, which crazy story. I came here with knowing one hour from when the plane left. But I have George Wong from the Sandbox here. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah. thank you for flying in like the last minute. Of course. Are you here in Singapore? Uh, yeah, I manage Singapore and Malaysia, so I'm, I moved between both countries. Okay, so for you, it was, it was easy drive, I imagine. A train, but yeah. A train, okay. Yeah, yeah Singapore, it's, it's a beautiful country. It's one of the best airports I've been to. Super clean. Oh, yeah, I have to say it's world class. And have you been to the famous chicken spot that is a Michelin star, the cheapest Michelin star in the world? Is that what it's? Known for cheapest Michelin star. I've been there for sure. You have been? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. It's known as it's the cheapest uh, meal at a Michelin star restaurant out of anywhere in the world. It's is it one star? Because it's for flavor, right? I think it's one star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Is it good? Uh yeah, it's good. I mean, in Asia, we're spoiled for choice, right? Chicken rice is everywhere. So okay. it's, you know, some uh, obviously the Michelin star one is great, uh, but you know you also get really good ones that probably just fell under the radar. So I think for for us, it's probably uh, kind of used to it as well. It's a chicken race. Yeah, I need to go. I, I want to go to where the stalls are. I'm yeah. a really big foodie. Every time I go somewhere, I usually don't see any sites or historical <laughs> things. I I want to eat the food. You sound like a Malaysian because all we care about is eating. It's like you ask them like, what's good in Malaysia? Just uh, go for the food. I want to go to Malaysia, by the way. Yeah, yeah, please. You're welcome. I really want to go. Yeah. I think it's Kuala Lumpur. Is that Malaysia? Yeah, yeah of course. That's okay. that's our capital. Okay, yes. I want to go there. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's a, an amazing city. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I'm from there, so I guess it's amazing. Um, uh, but I do spend a lot of time everywhere. So I think it, it, it has a lot of flavor. But I think if you want to go food, all Malaysians will tell you go up north to Penang. Yeah, and I think a lot of Singaporeans know that as well. So, so other states have like um, there's more food culture. KL has has good food, um, but if you want to talk about real local culture, that's like no. And Singapore, of course, has plenty of that. Um, I think it's actually more accessible in Singapore because everything is kind of near, so you can like um, visit a good uh, local. And we have because our cultures are very similar, right? Because we. We're neighbors, so we have a lot of very similar food, uh, and food culture is big both in Singapore and Malaysia. This is becoming a food podcast, by yeah. way, but that's cool. I mean, the good thing is people that like the sandbox or people that like Web Web three metaverse, they eat. Oh, so well, they like everyone food. eats. So we're good. So the audience will love either. You know, either way they like it, and they want to know where do people from the sandbox go and eat. So now they know because yeah. this, this might be the first time ever that this has been talked about. So why don't we dive into 
let's dive into the sandbox then. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so sure. Let's talk about that because it's really interesting around how the media, news, how they talk about things. You know, what's the human behavior like? Are people going to spend a lot of time in the in a metaverse or virtual world? I know, uh, you know, Meta, the company, just talked about um, people are spending 40, 40 hours a week. I heard some stats mm-hmm. doing some uh, some things in a virtual space. So, where do you see the future of the virtual world space and how humans are going to interact? I think for in many cases right now, I think one of the interesting stats that was brought to my attention from um, purely from a hackathon actually was that uh, younger millennials, Gen Zeros, or whatever you want to call them, anyone in the younger demographic, uh, spend eighty percent of their I mean eighty percent of them, sorry, are already the metaverse like constantly uh, in some form of it. So I think what what's what's really interesting is that a lot of people don't see that. Uh, in the, in the sense that you know um, they just think oh they're just playing some game, uh, but really what they're spending time is you know interacting, socializing, transacting, uh, building in the metaverse, um, and it's just that it's not that 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 term is not really well defined. It's not synonymous across um, uh, all the different experiences yet. So someone's playing a metaverse experience, but they don't exactly think it's a metaverse. So and that that it's going to take time. So. Uh, before it becomes like mass, right? And when it comes to like uh, people spending a lot of time on it, I think it's, it's firstly, it's still early days, right? I think that uh, if we expect right now immediately people to spend all their time in the metaverse, it's unrealistic. Um, but it is definitely going to kind of like complement like uh, real world experiences and also uh, in the metaverse as well. And I think in Singapore, a lot of companies are looking at that. They're trying to find ways to make it um, relevant because they know that people are spending a lot of time there um, when they're at home and especially with the pandemic previously, people were using like online games and metaverses to kind of expand the physical space because space is really scarce in Singapore anyway. So I think, and that helps. So I think it's going to complement that would be like the trajectory, I think, for the next five to ten years, and then before you really see like a Ready Player One scenario where people are like just living there. I think people are afraid of that scenario. To be honest, if you ask anybody, it's like, are we going to live perpetually in the metaverse? And I, I don't really think that's going to happen. I mean, just look at SFF, right? Singapore FinTech Festival. It's one of the biggest events um, uh, in Singapore, and it's like in Expo, it's like six halls, and it's packed with people, which also means that. Um, there's there's still a lot of interest in physical experiences, uh, going out and interacting. So it, I, I would say it's more good. It's probably going to be more of a compliment rather than replacing it. I'm glad you brought up Gen Z. I believe Gen Alpha is the next yeah, generation. Next yeah. And so I think sometimes we think about what we want. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we always think like, well, I wouldn't do that. But the truth is, this is really for the future generations. Yeah. You know, we only have so many years left on this earth. And they're going to, you know, eventually be the economic powerhouse. You obviously, you have millennials now are pretty much the economic powerhouse than Gen Z. So a lot of the things that are, are up and coming now is really built for them. Yeah. And, I think that um, a big conversation that we have uh, and we try to explain to people is now because a lot of businesses are owned by like the older millennial or the Gen X, right? So they are the business owners. So a lot of the conversation is about, right, we know you don't understand it. But that's what the next generation is. What's the norm for them? 
I think in Singapore it's a bit more advanced. So my experience dealing with Southeast Asia, I think Singapore has the most advanced view on this. Like they're fully aware, like oh, we have to participate in this because you know we know that the next generation is spending more time here. They're willing to to invest um uh, in resources. You know, build. Uh, it's interesting. I think in Singapore, I see so many companies that have a metaverse department, like. And they're like really web two guys. Like, so, oh, we're gonna invest. We wanna understand it. We wanna build it because they understand that that's probably what is going to drive the next generation in terms of communication, in terms of interaction. So it's very, very positive. And I think a lot of uh, companies come to Singapore for that because the, the, I mean, in the sandbox, I think Singapore is unique. We have the most number of banks that's interested to build in the sandbox. I think no other country has that many financial institutions i even get asked why do you have so many banks like talking to us from singapore like because banks here are very forward thinking they want to experiment they don't mind putting their time their resources to actually understand it they're taking baby steps but they are doing it right whereas other other countries maybe banks are like oh, this is this this is for kids you know why are we spending money on this thing it doesn't provide any revenue and, and I think the conversation is really different. So I think in, in Singapore Film Festival, you can see it. There's so many Web3 companies that didn't exist like pre-pandemic when this event happened. We didn't have so many Web3, but now you see like, like Web3 used to have its own space, right? Like, oh, you're that, that unwanted child at the corner. Right? Now it's like, oh, you know, you walk past and it's like, oh, it's a Web3 company. And it's like, now it's mixing in, right? So just how booths are placed actually tells a lot about the state of the market when it comes to Web3 matters. Yeah. Well great thing great point on web3 it's so many different technologies coming together in one time yeah. you talk a lot about on the show why now mm -hmm. like why in 2022 are we talking about web3 companies i don't think two years ago anyone even said that we're in web3 on anything yeah I mean, it was very few yeah. and no one was like oh my gosh i want to be a web3 company right it yeah. wasn't really a thing yeah and so now though you have so many different technologies coming together merging and another great thing and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this my personal opinion is this will be one of the largest economic global impacts in our lifetime mm -hmm. because of access mm -hmm. you know before yep. when the internet first started there wasn't a lot of places that had access to the internet but now you have so many people around the world like you mentioned here in singapore i've met people from almost every country representing which is incredible so what are your thoughts around just how global you know web3 metaverse these industries, how global this is going to be? I think it's already global. I think that conversation is very unique. Um, and it's. I think that's going to be a shift in how companies view expansion. I think that's one very important thing. Like, you know, everyone who thinks about being a global company, it's about, oh, I'm set up shop, I'm going to expand in my local country, then I'm going to scale regionally, then I'm going to scale globally. But I think with web three technology, any company is a global company. You don't really need to establish domestically before you can scale because you immediately scale but again it's i think this is there's this two two ways to look at it right because there are so many companies that are complete startups that true web tree true nfts true token issuance whatever the mechanism that they are using they've raised a lot of capital they raise as much capital as an, a pre-ipo company and and um, we see a lot of money being thrown in that space as well there's a lot of easy money and when and, and you see a lot of failures as well. So I think that's also one of the things that detracts people from the space, like, you know, because these startup companies are unable to handle the scaling requirements, the responsibility of raising that much capital. So that's the downside. But on the upside, if they do do well, then they're immediately a, a global company. 
of course now we see people being more prudent like projects are being more realistic they're not taking too much money but yet they still have a global presence they're still like all the way in the us or or which is like the other half the other part of the world right now um and down here domestically and you see a good mix of people in in, in one project for example. so i think web Street enables that right um and uh and companies now have a different viewpoint so like the sandbox we scale really quickly we have almost i think 400 employees worldwide right now and uh every and, and the interesting we're so but we really fit uh focus on that ethos of being decentralized so many countries come up because the community came up first like and then you know uh, and we like hey i want to be a part of the sandbox i want to do something for it and then a lot of the team members were, were actually organically from the community they were either like creators or they were just part of the community or they're like you know like myself we're probably professionals in the in the blockchain space for a while now and we're like hey we want to commit our time to be in this exciting metaverse and then oh, that's where like country uh, different countries they start to pop up and then they apply to become so that was how it kind of started like a lot of people like um the guy that brought me in from the sandbox was actually the the MD of China, right? And I asked him, how do you become the MD of China? He says, uh, I, he was in early, he had a lot of land and he was just so committed to building and he was just building, building because he had a lot of land. Um, and uh, he was like, uh, and he said that one day he was like, hey, you're doing so much good here. Why don't you just be a part of our team? And that's how it became, uh, he became, he came to be the, the, the managing director of China and Hong Kong. And then he was like, and then he was, but he lived in Malaysia, right? That's an interesting thing. So. He managed China, which is one of the biggest markets in the world, and Hong Kong out of Malaysia, right? And he was like, I can't handle Malaysia, so can you help me out? And that's how I got in. And he wasn't actually officially, it's just like we were helping out. So it's very community, right? Oh, we're helping out. I was part of, I was his friend, part of community. So that's how I got in. It was like, I was dragged in the sandbox, right? Um, just from that. So I, I think that a lot of companies can grow organically like that. Um, we're fortunate. Sandbox has a lot of support as well, so we grew really quickly. Uh, but yeah, I think Web3 companies able to scale globally immediately, the game change, changes completely if you, if you go that route. And I think a lot of traditional companies here can't understand that. That's a very interesting conversation, right? Like, how do you go from like zero to 400 in like less than four years? We're like, I don't know, organically, right? We never actually had the target like, oh, I'm going to hire 400 people worldwide. It just evolved that way due to the needs of the market. The creator economy, right? Yeah. And... I think a lot of people, when they think of creator economy, they think of somebody who is like a content creator, social, but they're not thinking about the people that are in the community of a company and love that company. And why would that company not want to hire them? I, I really enjoy that. I think this whole traditional, like, I need to go apply and I have to interview. And the issue, too, is you, you interview somebody, you don't really know, like, how dedicated they are to the company. Do they even know anything about it? But if somebody is within your community is volunteering their time, and really loves it, you know they're they're most likely going to be a great employee. Yeah. But they're also really passionate about it, and in a sense, it's almost like the employee is actually interviewing the company. Like over time, they're starting to understand about the company, and then they know, okay, maybe I want to be a part of this, or maybe I don't. Which I think is great. I mean, hey, hats off to the sandbox for creating such a good culture even before somebody is hired. I mean, that, that says a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, we we are probably one of the first push like um you know user generated content create a community we put a lot of money into it um we have our game maker fund creator fund and we keep pushing that because we realized that a few things right i think initially it was spurred 
by and still is spurred by the idea that you don't want to go into a metaverse which is empty. People want to go in and have experiences, right? So, and that's why creators are important because what's the fastest way to make the most amount of content? And great content is actually because individuals are passionate about the content that they do. There's a niche for every kind of content, and we just and the sandbox is a great place, like the name suggests. We experiment very different kind of content that you can't make, let's say, like just a video medium, right? So, and and we push that, and then as a result, we have a great creator community. We have thirty thousand creators worldwide. And we've built a new industry. We have uh, sandbox studios, right? So we have more than a hundred sandbox studios uh, who are actually providing their services, building it for our partners, uh, experience, and and you know, and they're building in new talent, right? Uh, just building on the sandbox. So, and and so it's the ecosystem is growing organically. So, in if anyone wants to be like a part of the sandbox ecosystem, it's really just about hey, I'm part of the community. I want to participate, and it's very welcoming for that. So I think that's very. That, that that fits that whole spirit of being decentralized, like you know, from land ownership to building experiences to being part of our ecosystem. It's actually quite open, and we're always talking to various people. So, and we funded studios like, you know, we gave grants uh, from a game maker fund to like two people studios or four people studios who ended up doing so well that they became thirty people studios, and they're building things that they love. So I think that's that's something that a lot of people don't focus on. Uh, and and we haven't fully launched yet, so we're putting in all that work before a full life, just so that we can, uh, you know, give people great experiences and at the same time build a huge ecosystem of creators as well. So I think we're in a good position in that sense. I think I just understood why it's called the sandbox. So thank you for that. Thank you. I've always act- I've actually wondered that, but I never knew who to ask. So I appreciate that, and it makes sense around having all of these people and and really creating the products alongside one another. But at the same time, the person that is creating and helping into the community also benefits. And why would you not want to reinvest your time, money, energy into those people? Because it's really a win-win. I think a lot of people also are scared of competition. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, what if I help this person? Or what if I have this employee and they go off and they do something on their own? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. But the great thing is, what if they go and do something on their own and the company is also an investor or has a stake? There's no competition, right? I mean, that's like almost the definition of co-creation, which I think is great about Web3. It seems like from the outside, there are a lot of people that want to do things together. Of course, there's still competition, uh, which I think is is very exciting. So do you see, you know, with, with the Sandbox, are you seeing other companies now reaching out that you don't think would have reached out before that want to, you know, want to get involved and want to do things and, or maybe like what's, what's the most shocking or surprising companies that you've seen that want to get involved? Hmm. I, I don't think there, I would say it, it doesn't sound like a great answer, but um, I I was really shocked when I came into Singapore and uh, the first major partner we had was DBS Bank, right? Which is like the biggest bank in Singapore, I think. Um, and uh, they're like an institution, right? Uh, 
um, they've been around forever uh, in Singapore's history and they're synonymous with Singapore. And um, when they made that big announcement, I, I was just coming, I take no credit. It was, it was arranged by my Hong Kong buddies, but um, you know, um, and, uh, and, and the conversation we had with them was so surprising. Like I, I never seen a bank that has that much forward vision. Um, and I speak to many banks, right? Um, and a lot of banks play it safe. And I don't, I'm not saying DBS doesn't play it safe. They do. They're very careful with how they do it. They do it right. But they want to push the conversation. They want to push innovation. They want to push technology. They want to be relevant. And when you see a bank taking that stand and, 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 and running with it, it's it, it, it brings the whole industry. Like everybody else is like coming in and they, they lead the way. Uh, because someone as established as DBS is coming in. So to me, that's really shocking. I think a lot of people don't think that way. But when you have like the most so-called Web2 image of a company and saying, hey, we're going to champion Web3, that changes the conversation. So I think in Singapore, especially that conversation is is really um, surprising. That that one was the big one for me. So um, yeah, doesn't sound like an interesting answer. No, that's right? very interesting because yeah. it's a very traditional industry that doesn't really like to change very much or very very slow to change it's like moving you know a gigantic boat yeah and uh and they're just they take forever so i'd love to understand too um what are some use cases that you're seeing that really is exciting around what people are doing in the sandbox or maybe with the sandbox Mm, I think that there are many different use cases. So there's this debate that's, I, I wouldn't call it a debate. I think that it's something that we are aware of because we've done a lot of alpha seasons, we've tested customer experiences, uh, player experiences. And um, one of the things that um, is, is talked about is, do we do a digital twin of our business, right? Like it's a copy. Some things make sense. Like for example, if you have a historical site which is not accessible. So if you want to give people the idea of how the palace in the workings is like, but you don't actually want to let them in to the, the spaces, those kind of things work because then if you're curious about history, but it's inaccessible, but you know, you have a safe way to access things, they can do all the, the hidden stuff or the places that you're not supposed to go into in a safe environment. So digital prints for those who work, I feel, because that that has a historical value and gives you access. Again, it's key is about access in those cases. But for other things, they don't really work. Like I don't go and speak with a bank and say, hey, build a bank in the metaverse. To me, it's an eventual thing that banking services and financial services will be available in the metaverse. But right now, I would say that the, the, the market doesn't really go into the metaverse thinking, I want to go visit a bank and do a deposit. Nobody thinks that, right? They, I, 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 I joke about it, but you know, people go to a concert and they'll be like, uh, they just, they're not just gonna sit there and like just listen to Steve Aoki or Snoop Dogg sing. You will inadvertently see someone like running onto the stage right next to Steve Aoki and dancing, uh, or standing on Steve Aoki and dancing, right? And you'll see that because people want to go into a space and interact. If you think about it, they're on a keyboard and a mouse, and they're there, and you, you kind of expect them to just sit there and do nothing just listen you can do that in a concert setting or a workshop they'll sit there and listen but in, in, in the metaverse they're not they, they, they'll do they want to do something so that forces people to innovate the kind of experiences that we do so actually every partner we speak to we are like thinking about how do we innovate an experience that people want to do and uh I, I joke around as well like the fmb guys so what do i do i looked at them build diner bro <laughs> i mean because 
it doesn't mean that you have to do something that's directly related to a transaction for your business. It sometimes it's about building that connection with your community and, and your community may not necessarily want to just be in the business side of things. Maybe they want to experience the fun side of things. And, and that's where the innovation comes. It's also a challenge because some people don't dare to take that risk. Right. That's why we're the sandbox, right? We tell them you can experiment, doesn't work, scrap it, build something else. That's the whole idea. Yeah, we were just we had a guest on recently and they're building out hyper realistic uh, concert experiences. Mm -hmm. And when they were showing me their product, I was pretty much blown away about mm -hmm. like you mentioned, basically the whole concept was everyone gets a front row seat. Right. And I thought that was super smart and I'm excited, you know, hopefully when the sandbox, you know, has some more concerts and stuff in the future or with whoever partners and, and does that. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, being an avid concert goer myself or, you know, there's so many festivals I want to go to, but I can't make it. Mm -hmm. So if I can have a similar experience, um, and now we have like spatial audio and there's so many great um, headsets and, and sound and chairs you can sit in that, you know, that uh, I was in one that it vibrates and smoke comes out and there's smells. So you have a VR headset and you can actually, 5D. you can smell what's going on. Yeah, that was, that's their concept. That was, I was blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. So I can't wait to, you know, so we can all have those types of experiences where it's hyper realistic. Uh, it just makes sense. Cause then like you mentioned, there's people all around the world that want to experience going to Coachella, but only very few people can actually go and the price and, and the distance and getting there. So, uh, I mean, that, that I think is going to be game changing. One thing I am a little bit concerned with myself. Sure. This isn't concerning so much, like, and maybe it scares me sometimes. Okay. And and this might be out there. Sure. So, obviously, with how you know AI and you can mm -hmm. create a bot, you can create an avatar. Maybe I want to have you know a certain celebrity be my friend or maybe even my spouse, okay. and I go into a virtual space. And then I can have that celebrity, they're my spouse or my best friend. Mm -hmm. I can have a relationship. You have haptic feedback suits coming out soon where, you know, people can interact physically with one another. When that happens, why would I then want to go have a in real life relationship? Well, uh, there's a few aspects to this. I'll touch that. Firstly, I think that is for hyper-realistic metaverses to worry about. One of the different things about Sandbox is we're not hyper-realistic. And I don't think we will be. Uh, there's a few reasons for that, but the main thing is because if you know we are voxels, so we are like Lego in the sense, it's very blocky, and because it's like Lego, um, it ha actually helps for people to build the uh, designs easier. You don't have to have an art background, right? So then they'll build up the avatar, the character, um, and and uh, so so I would say that's a bigger problem for hyper realistic. Uh, but in our case, we we are trying to encourage users to generate content. So the easier it is to design something, easier it is to make an experience. In our case, um, uh, it, that's the that's the focus, right? So hence, we won't make hyper realistic in our set, in our case, right? Uh, but talking about the second one, which is more a general thing, right? If you go into AI, and yes, I have been looking at um, a lot of we do a lot. I like participate in hackathons to see what the new talents coming up in, and uh, and there, a lot of it's around AI. Like, oh, we're gonna do an AI assistant. AI assistant's gonna become AI wife or something. Um, that's that is, um, I think, a real issue. I, I wouldn't say I, I don't really have a good answer for that. Uh, I would say that I think that comes down to a very personal choice. It's like someone asking me if I could download my consciousness digitally, would I do it? My answer would be yes, and that's a personal answer, right? Um, a lot of people have a problem with that as well. So I think it's along the similar veins, right? Like how would it affect um, human interaction? So I think that has to be very careful. Um, I think 
there are so many movies that are series that talks about people falling in love with an AI. Like, and, and why would they fall in love in real life with someone? Um, I think we're still really far from that, although there are people marrying pillows and stuff, right? So I don't know. Um, I can't anticipate how we would overcome that yet, uh, I would say. I think guys like Asimov has written extensively about stuff like that. Um, there's some indications of that. So uh, it, 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 it might be a problem. I don't know. It might be a problem. You you I think it's something that many people are afraid about. It has come up in lots of my talks, actually. Like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, well, I won't do it. Um, but, you know. Like we talked about before, that's the future generations. Yeah. Like the gen, We'll have to see Gen Alpha, I think, is going to be the game changer. Because they really grew up with everything, right? That's true. They it's, grew up with AI. Exactly. It's like they when the, AI, the generation AI. that grows up with something kind of dictates like what's actually going to come about. Yeah. So we have to see how did they interact. But I know like watching kids and stuff, uh, we have kids and they spend a lot of time in relationships. They don't really even know the people outside of the game. Yeah, that's which is, true. Which is very interesting. And that's why sometimes I think about this, like there potentially could be a huge decline in the population just due to the fact when people... Which I think we see with techno technology kind of it's done that anyways, right? Like, yeah, it, it changes everything. But uh, the good thing is I was watching here at the Singapore FinTech Festival. There is an automated robot uh, coffee machine. So the great thing is if there's more robots that can make a lot of our stuff, we don't need as much population. But no, I really love the sandbox. Thank you so much for being here, too. Can you share with everyone as well? You know, who obviously they know the website, but you know, what can they look at? How to, if they want to be a community partner, if they want to do hackathon, or they want to really dig in more to the sandbox, who can they go after? Who can they follow? What should they look for? Well, uh, obviously, uh, if you want to get connected with us uh, on Twitter, it's really one of the best ways. It's uh, at the sandbox game. Uh, and of course, if you want to do something and you feel like you want to have a, a question, that you want to build something in the sandbox, especially if you are based in this region, uh, I'll be happy to, to reach out to me. Uh, my email is like george at sandbox.game. Uh, we, we work collaboratively, so even if I'm not the person, I can escalate it to, some, to, to the right person. Uh, but yeah, actually, just visit sandbox.game. You would find all the information there. And like I said, you don't really need to connect with us to participate. You just need to want to participate and that can come in various ways uh, and of course if you're in any of the markets that we are in like singapore like malaysia when we have activities just join us we'll, we'll definitely share it on social media and uh and then we can have a conversation and we can awesome thanks george for being here everyone check out the sandbox and be a part of the community thanks again coming from live at the singapore fintech festival until next time Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.